All around the world, poverty is stealing choices from kids. It's time to give those choices back. Introducing Chosen, World Vision's new invitation to sponsorship. For the first time, kids have the power to choose their own sponsors. Now the choice is theirs. The choice to take hold of their future and even the choice to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Learn more at worldvision.org slash chosen. The following podcast uses profanity in creative ways, and we bring up all the topics that you are warned against talking about in polite conversations. The contents herein are for entertainment purposes only. All stated opinions, views, and jokes are those of the person making them and do not necessarily reflect any business, nonprofit organization, state government, or federal government. Listener discretion is very much advised. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Utah Outcasts. This is a semi-weekly, progressive, political, and atheist-filled podcast based in the state where we're so conservative, the poor hot ladies in this state have to wear t-shirts under their tank tops. Hashtag magic undies. Uh, This is episode number 102, and this is the current events and news episode where we throw as many headlines at you as we possibly can, and trust me, we've got a whole lot for you guys to hear my slanted opinions on this week. Uh, if you're hearing us for the first time, let me introduce myself. I'm X, and I'm your host. I'm still Sans' uh, permanent co-host, but Kyle and Felicia should be back soon. So you're going to be getting a lot of yours truly tonight, along with a repeat performance by Mike Bowman, who uh, came on at the last minute and said, "Hey, I'll 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 guess with you tonight." So here we go. Boris is motion squirrel. This is uh, probably something I normally say for the Trump roundup that we do on the show. But this is insanely necessary, I, at least I feel, to talk about right now. Uh, about a week ago, unbeknownst to most of the people in the world, there was a tweet from a Twitter account called Russ Emb USA, you know, Russian Embassy USA, that was essentially threatening America to return the, the two compounds that were uh, filled with lots of Ruskies uh, prior to the Obama administration slapping sanctions on Russia. And essentially making it so those two offices were closed and they were kicked out of the foreign service and the agents that were staying on the properties, you know, got shipped back to Russia or whatever the fuck that happened to them. But here's the kicker. Uh, just this week, Trump has been planning on giving them back to the Russians, the, these two offices. And I, I can't seem to find a good reason uh, in, in any of the documentation that I've seen of why he would be doing so, except for, you know, the whole collusion aspect that seems to keep popping up for some god knows god forgiven reason so just this week uh we saw that the day of him taking office i mean we're talking like january 20th you know there were folks within his transition team that went to the state department and were attempting to repeal the whole rosneft ukraine sanctions thing like that was like first and foremost on his mind as soon as he got done giving the whole oath of office he had his people already over there doing the whole, okay, let's remove the sanctions. And this just further cements to me that his administration have absolutely no fucking idea how optics work at all. None. And you don't simply give back a Russian spy agency for for no good reason. And it just kills me that these folks are just like, eh, you know, that doesn't mean anything. We're, We're trying to make better relations with Russia. It's like, no, dude, that's not how it works. You don't you don't give without receiving something, especially in government. And for the whole fact that, you know, you fired Comey on the, like the same, the day after you have a meeting with the Russian people in the Oval Office, it's like, do you not understand how all of this looks? I mean, how have you not gone your whole adult life not reali- realizing how certain things look? It's like, 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 say your current wife walks in and you on the, in the boardroom and for some reason, your your secretary or something happened to drop something into your lap and she's bending over to pick it up. Your ex-wife walks or your current wife walks in and she sees a secretary bending down to pick something up from your lap. What would that look like? It would look terrible, wouldn't it? You know, somebody's hand reaching down into your crotch. It would look terrible. Just like how Russia getting back a 
a couple of embassies that were put under hold and especially trying to ease economic sanctions that were put there by Obama because he didn't want these companies to prosper multi-trillions of dollars. It's like, uh, I don't know, guys. I, I think that might look pretty bad. What do you think there, Mike? Yeah, it's, yeah, it looks pretty bad. I think uh, I think they have stuff on Trump, though. It's uh, uh, they have they have the PP tapes. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, and yeah, the, it's the embassy. Pretty much, I mean, they didn't say that especially, but they, it kind of felt like that's what they were threatening. They're like, you give us what we want, or we will show PP tapes. It's like. Uh, <laughs> it's like I, I don't I like I really want to see that but at the same time I don't want to see that <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like I don't want to see it but I really hope it comes out <laughs> well and I'm also and people may give me shit on YouTube Facebook whatever the hell it is but I'm also chomping at the bit to find out how much of a piece of shit this guy really is because it it seems that we have a lot of other friendly intelligence agencies that have gotten a dossier on this guy from like a long time running. And I would think after him pulling out of the Paris Accord this week that uh, they have more of a reason to do so nowadays to actually flip on the guy. So I don't know. I think I think Trump is going to be properly fucked here pretty soon. <laughs> oh, there there's a lot of smoke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th there's way too much smoke for there not to be some so something like burning somewhere. Whether we just get rid of Jared Kushner, whether you know, it'd be certain just a couple of other people, there's got to be something there. There, 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 there's not enough not there. To <laughs> yeah, there's just too much. Uh, I mean, we had sessions. <laughs> yeah, sessions having a a third undisclosed meeting with Russian people and. Uh, this isn't is him as a senator. This is him going to a fucking fundraiser somewhere. There's just way too much there, there, not for this to be a problem. And it's just, yeah, I, and they keep pretending like, oh, it's, it, this is just normal. This is how business is always done. No, America. Yeah, no, no it if, really isn't. <laughs> seriously, if it was, uh, if it was Hillary, the Republicans would be all over it. <laughs> she would have been but hung from the gallows right now. I they, think this was the kind of thing. They're turning blind eyes left and right. <laughs> oh, while well, all the while he's fucking over the legacy of Obama. Oh, yeah. Man, fuck this guy. <laughs> that, Good job, Trump. Goal. Good job. <laughs> no, wait. Wait. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me taste your tears, Scott. Mm, your tears are so yummy and sweet. Dude, I think it might be best for us to never piss Cartman off again. Good call. Oh, the tears of unfathomable sadness. Mm, yummy. Yummy, you guys. There's a new game coming out from, I believe uh, Ubisoft is making this one. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because it's just too delicious for me not to share. Uh, called Far Cry 5. And I don't know if anybody's ever played the Far Cry series. Mike, have you ever touched any of those before? Uh no, I haven't. It's it's I... <laughs> it's fairly open world first person shooter kind of thing where you can just kind of explore and blast whatever you want to do. But anyway, the last one that came out took place in a I want to say almost like a Thailand, you know, Vietnam kind of era. Not era, but you know, that type of the world. Where it was a really interesting game because you like and the fucking video show shut off. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, I'm just gonna turn that off. We're not even gonna bother with that tonight. Goddamn video. Anyway. Behind the scenes, everybody. So there's a the fun thing about the the last Far Cry game that came out was that you could beat the game without causing like any kind of issue that was going on. So you could start the the game up and like one of the main the first person you meet up in the game happens to be also the big bad of the game. And when you he says, hey, just wait here for a moment. And when he says, wait here for a moment, that gives you a chance to like break out of the scene and go wherever you need to. And kill all these random people and do all this other shit. Or you could wait like 10 minutes and the game gives you a choice where if you just stayed in that room, he takes you directly to the ending of the game. And so it was kind of interesting the way that happened. But I'm going completely <laughs> off the rails here because the, the new one coming out takes place in rural Montana now. And I bet you can just guess why people might be kind of pissed about this because the bad guys are white. Christians and boy there are some people just fucking angry about this one so 
There are all sorts of people on the Christian right just pissed off about it. It has nothing to do with the violent nature of these games, you know, or nonviolent, like I was talking about, if you choose to play it that way. But really, who the bad guys are, and this is fucking rich. This comes from a user on Reddit's atheism group, because why the fuck not? <laughs> it's a uh, game story, not a Pulitzer Prize winning kind of article, so just don't get your panties in a bunch here. So uh far cry 5 is set in montana focuses on you taking down a cult of christian extremists that have taken over the fictional town of hope county and so they've uh, released some cover art for it and it's very reminiscent of the last supper with jesus being the villain you know if you looked at the position on the table uh this has of course pissed off a lot of people uh the moment the cover art was first revealed people immediately got angry so logically the christians have decided to use their typical strategy of internet tantrums, as we've come to see for just about everything. I'm surprised they haven't started a petition against us here on Utah Outcast, but they call the game anti-Christian, and of course, using the alt-right favorites term, white genocide. Saying they'd be more comfortable fighting foreigners, foreigners because why the fuck not? Let's go ahead and kill all those brown people, but the minute we have white guys as our, our enemy, oh, we can't do that. No, that's that's impossible. They can't speak the same language as us. So I wonder when uh, Call of Duty's going to come out with like a Civil War edition. That'll be really interesting. Uh, the bad guys look too much like me. That looks like my cousin in Montana. I wonder if I'm shooting him. Like, no, that's not how video games work. So this sort of thing happens all the time. Typically, whenever someone or something calls out Christianity, Republicans, evangelicals, or conservatives in general, for what horrible people they can be. And I paraphrase that lessons because this person went to a d definitive end on this one. Uh, worst of all is the petition. There's a petition out for this one. It demands that either the game be canceled, and knowing how much video games cost from being a video games journalist for a while, that's really not going to happen or be completely changed again. That's going to cost them like twice as much. That's definitely not going to happen. So whatever troll made this petition probably wasn't serious, but the uh, thousand people who have signed it are Ooh, a thousand. So <laughs> I don't know the, 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 the petitions hoping there's some people hoping that they'll change the game's villains to like inner city Muslims in Canada instead of, you know, it being, you know, out out in the wilderness, Christians in Montana. I don't know. And this person goes on on Reddit to continue with a paraphrasing of what they believe. Christianity is all about control, control of people's thoughts, bodies, everything, including, including, of course, media. Did Ubisoft go too far with this? I'm not sure about that. And all I'm certain is that they used rockstar strategy of generating controversy for the sake of publicity. The point is, the game is trying to antagonize the people who are boycotting it, and this I can get behind. And I'm kind of with him here. The more you make people fucking angry, the more units you're going to sell. I mean, it look makes at, me want to play it. Yeah. I mean, look at who one of my favorite recording artists was in high school at the time. It was Marilyn Manson. He even bought his stupid autobiography. And why did I like him so much? Because he made old white people scared, especially here in Utah. Fuck, he... Man, when he came in concert and he tore books out of the out of the Book of Mormon and like was throwing them in the audience, everybody's like, "Oh my god, this is so horrible!" So <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep in mind at that time I was going to school out in the middle of fucking nowhere, Utah. So uh, people were want to get in all sorts of you know panties up in a bunch about this kind of thing. So anyway, I uh, I haven't bought a Far Cry Far Cry game in quite a while. I think the last one I got was three or the. Uh, they did a really amazing uh, remake of like the 80s genre like uh, movies called Blood Dragon. They, they used it in the same engine, but it was really fun. But uh, I, I'll probably pick up Far Cry 5 because I want to kill, I want to kill some uh, bearded, pissed off, not on my land, don't tread on me, Christian Montanan, so, and not get arrested for it. I'll have some fun with that. Right, stop that. It's all very well to laugh at the military, but when one considers the meaning of life, it is a struggle between alternative viewpoints of life itself. And without the ability to defend one's own viewpoint against other, perhaps more aggressive ideologies, then reasonableness and moderation could quite simply disappear. That is why we'll always need an army. And may God strike me down were it to be otherwise. Don't stand there, Gorpin! Oh, you've never seen the end of God before! 
This next news item that we have comes from Idaho, of all places. You know, our neighbors to the north. Uh, Mariah Walton grew up struggling for breath. And now that she's 20, she awaits a heart and lung transplant. You know, two of the big fucking things that you need to live. Uh, in part because of a congenital heart defect, she said, that could have been fixed if her parents had only taken her to a doctor when she was younger. Uh, according to this article, her parents refused to seek medical care because they believed she could be healed through prayer. And this brings up a really interesting line of questioning here. It's like, should you be able to sue the people that were in charge of keeping care of you for having bad ideas like this? I, I'm, I'm firmly in the camp where it's kind of a slippery slope because, you know, if you get people that can uh, be sued because they didn't want you, they thought prayer was going to help you, does that open up also, you know, mom, dad, it's, it's your fault that I'm fat kind of thing. <laughs> That's where I would have a problem with it because I, I, in some part, I do blame my parents a little bit for the food because that's how they were brought up food was like love anyway the back to this mariah lady so uh she says that it's time for her parents and people like them to take responsibility for endangering lives and she says quote i think it's time to prosecute them she says uh so walton is currently supporting legislation in idaho that would require medical treatment for children in imminent danger of dying and i have to support her on this because if a kid's about to die and you and your parents are going like, nah, that's okay. We'll just put some maple syrup with some cayenne pepper and lemon juice in there, and the, the, the we'll just make them limp along for the next couple of days until they fucking die. You know, I I firmly agree with the fact that you know she wants to sue for this kind of thing. Oh yeah, I'm totally on her side. It's just the thing you have to get the parents to take them to the doctor to realize that they're that sick in the first place. <laughs> yeah, and the, but the problem is even the ones that do take their kids to the doctor they'd be like nah i don't want any of your vaccines i don't want any of the sciencey stuff to go into my kids bodies it's like oh god why why did you bother having children did you not realize that even the smallest things could kill them <laughs> i don't know and so some idaho lawmakers have expressed concern over this proposal saying that it violates parental rights I think parental rights should include making sure people within your charge don't fucking die of something easily preventable. <laughs> well, then it can, does it cross the line into abuse? Yeah. <laughs> and of course the, the Uber Christians of Idaho want to fight back on this. And Senator Lee Hyder says, you know, it's a first amendment, right? The freedom of religion. I think there should be something that trumps the First Amendment, like the, the right to life. There should be like a, a yeah. Amendment Zero. Where, I mean, that was in the, what was it? I believe the Decla yeah. Declaration of Independence, you know, everybody is uh, life, uh, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness kind of thing, where it's like, that doesn't that preclude the Constitution? I mean, I, I'm not 100% certain because I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but anyway. I think it's fucked up that people are are going to be defending religious folks' ability to say, no, my kid doesn't need medicine because Jesus. And so. We have so, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Currently, state law in Idaho, and this is one of the places we've railed against many times on the show, uh, protects parents from prosecution if their faith prohibits them from seeking medical care. So you're talking J-dubs with their blood transfusion, Christian scientists with, you know, about everything. And the law shields parents even if their child dies from a treatable illness. So, uh, hey, uh, if you uh, currently have children and you want them to die and you don't wish to take care of them anymore and you're, you're hardy enough of a human being that you feel like you can stand watching them wither away and die in pain and everything, even though they love you, uh, take your kids to Idaho because if you just claim religion, you can kill your kids. It's amazing. So Walton's mother uh, told the NBC News that she did pursue natural medicine for her daughter. You know, like regular medicine would be natural medicine, would it not? Because it's there's no such thing as supernatural medicine. <laughs> and she also said that she didn't realize how how sick Mariah was when she used to gather the family to pray for her. If you have to gather the family to pray for somebody, doesn't that almost preclude the fact that they are really fucking sick? I mean, most most people in the LDS faith that I've met uh, in this world here in Utah 
don't want to do like blessings and stuff like that unless you're pretty <laughs> you're pretty sick or they feel like you need the extra little boost or you need some help i don't i don't know I've, i was never mormon so i'm I'm just speaking from the mother-in-law perspective here so no they encourage going to the doctor you yeah. know and they'll they'll still give you blessings okay yeah. you're going to the hospital for surgery here's a blessing now i'll, I'll give the i'll it's... give the lds church credit for that but the problem is is that they'll they'll also take credit for the blessing helping somebody oh yeah through <laughs> the 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 miracle of modern medicine so uh the proposal has yet to be scheduled for a hearing so Good fucking job, Idaho. You guys are just going to kill more people. That aren't, isn't that just lovely? Call me crazy, but I just don't see race. I guess I'm just the least racist person here. Okay. Race is like often like a pretty obvious thing to observe. It's not like racist to notice. <laughs> I had to laugh. Zach, oh my goodness. I only see one race. Ugh. The human race. Such bullshit. Okay, Ken Ham. Uh, sorry, this comes to us from the Pathios blog, the Friendly Atheist blog there. Uh, Ken Ham is literally a white guy who says that he doesn't see race. I mean, this is, according to him at Meta here, this is like the Stephen Colbert joke come to life. It's not that he's claiming to be the polar opposite of whatever Rachel Dolezal is. Earlier today, he held up a piece of white paper, and I wish you guys could see the image for this. I can only assume that's for the Photoshop enthusiast, because... He's holding up a plain piece of white paper next to his face, which you could easily, you know, copy into Photoshop and uh, say, I quit, or, you know, be like, hail Satan. You could just put whatever you want on this white little sheet of paper. You know how everybody's taking the, the Donald Trump signing statement where he, like, signs it and folds it out to everybody and like, hey, look at the look at the bullshit I made here. Look at the poopy I made. You know, it, it's exactly like that. And so Ken Ham is, um, has said that it is racist. To use words like black and white when talking about skin color. And uh, according to his, uh, let's see, his Twitter, he says, I'm not a white person. There are no black people. Using terms like white and black promotes division, racism, and prejudice. All are brown. Ken. Uh, I'm not brown. No, you wouldn't have gotten where you are in life unless you had fair enough skin where people were going to just literally throw money at you to open up whatever religious institution you have here. He says, I'm not a white person and there are no black people. I, I beg to differ. I have a very good friend of mine where if he was to close his eyes, admits the like being in the blackness of being in the street, he would disappear. And uh, that's not me trying to say like, man, my home is so black, but that my friend, oh my gosh. Jamal, I love you, man. I need to have you on the show here. <laughs> but he says, and using terms like black and white promotes division, racism, and prejudice, all are brown. Anyway, so uh, him at Meta is, of course, if, if you know anything about the guy, he is a brown person. And he says, I think I'm allowed to say I'm more offended by people who claim that race doesn't exist than by people who use those terms in an innocuous way. It's very easy for someone in the racial majority, like Ken Ham, to say racism isn't a thing because he thinks we all descended from Adam a few thousand years ago when he doesn't have to grapple with the effects of racism on a regular basis. So uh, I think him in here is saying, check your privilege, Ken. Kind of like the. <laughs> and he's saying, look, I'm not saying that Ken Ham is racist, but ignoring race doesn't help anybody. And I'm fully in compliance with that. Like, you have to understand that. You you don't want to be like, oh, I don't see you as black or white. I don't see race at all. Like, no, you need to understand people come from different backgrounds and you need to acknowledge that in a lot of people. A lot of the people of color that we talk to on the show are people that I have in my life like that. It's like, it's very important to hear their take on what it is to be American because their experience is completely different from mine. <laughs> so especially living in Utah, fuck, if I, if I have to hear another black friend of mine tell me about, you know, driving while black in Utah. It's amazing that, you know, I don't have to worry about that because I'm just this white dude driving around in a somewhat nice car. And like, meanwhile, if everybody else gets fucking tagged because they're not a fair skin, they're Lamanites, according to the, the, <laughs> the descendant from Lamanites or whatever the fuck you want to say about people here from Utah. But anyway, he said that um, uh, he went on to make the ignorant claim that treating everyone as if we're the same race is the solution. 
as if literally the solution to racism is to treat everybody as as they're the same. And if that would be the case, if we actually treated people of other skin tones as somewhat normal, and we've got a long way to go for that. So, and Ken, uh, Ken's quoted here saying, "Answer to racism: All humans are one race. All have the same problem, sin, and need to judge behavior against absolute authority of God's word." <laughs> I hate religious folks. I swear, like oh. I know the, the band-aid I can slap on this problem here and let you know exactly what the problem is. It's sin. It's like, oh, man, no. How about you just reach we're, a little bit We're all one species. Yeah, we're we all one species. And, but race is more than just the color of your skin. It's your culture. and It's your background. in and out tribes and stuff, yeah. But it's just amazing that Ken Ham just thinks that if students were taught the truth about race and skin shade, one race, same color, it would help to stop racism and prejudice. <laughs> no. So uh, there you go, protesters at Evergreen State and at Ferguson and everywhere else for that matter. If you would just understand that you're not black, all your problems would be solved. <laughs> According to him here, it's amazing. He said that, uh, and to top it off, he kind of caps in the same thing we said here. Is like, I will say that it's very nice of Ken Ham to hold up that piece of paper in the original tweet listing all of his evidence in defense of creationism. He didn't have to make it so easy for us. <laughs> Since it's a blank sheet of paper. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I, I just, I, I find it just hilarious that these folks that want to say that all the problems can be based on one thing are also like, oh, racism not a thing. It's not a thing at all. And I saw this morning as I check Twitter everything and when I, every day when I get up in the morning, one of the things that he said is that, hey, you have weeds in your garden? Do you know what the problem, you know where that came from? Sin. I'm like, you know, get the fuck out of here, Ken Ham. Seriously. <laughs> weeds are from sin. Let's blame there everything. There were weeds in the Garden of Eden. No, those weeds just, you know, they sprung forth from regular plants. Oh, no, wait. You know how you had you people, animals that were perfectly suited to be carnivores that, you know, were eating grass and whatever else before <laughs> that once sin was introduced, oh, now they're going to start eating meat. Like, I don't know how it, it would be a real pain in the ass to be like a great white shark and try to eat a salad. I, I think it would be <laughs> immensely unfun for that animal. Warriors come out to play. Warriors come out to So Matt Bevan, the Kentucky governor, has, and I, I hate to laugh before we even get to the point here, but he's, uh, he's unveiled a plan to fight crime in Louisville on Thursday, and he wants to have patrols that are made up by volunteers that will not report or stop crime, you know, criminal activity, but pray it away. <laughs> Matt Bevan has suggested that a, at a community meeting, that prayer groups of between three and ten people, that's, uh, that's a crucial element there. It has to at least be three. If you have two of them there, they're just going to knock off early and go to the bar. But if you have three, you got that social pressure to keep them up to it. So uh, they would adopt specific blocks and walk around them while praying, according to the, the ABC station in Louisville, WHAS. So, you know, you walk to a corner, you pray for the people and talk to people along the way. Uh, no songs, no singing, no bullhorn, no t-shirts, no chanting. Be pleasant and talk to people. That's it. Okay, so what is it? Is it praying or is it talking to people? Because I can understand how talking to your neighbor would reduce crime. You know, talking to people within the area, having a, you know, neighborhood watch, to use the term, would do wonders to keep crime down. But where the fuck does the praying thing come from? And so Bevan said that participants would make year-long commitments because that seems completely fair and suggested specific zip codes for the roving bands of prayer police to patrol. Oh, that's a lot of P's in one sentence. <laughs> Bevan wrote on Twitter, prayer will change things, all in caps lock there. Prayer is powerful. 
and the people united in prayer will make a difference in their communities, he said in a different tweet. So the meeting was held amid growing violence in Louisville, including a seven-year-old who was killed by a stray bullet last month. So tell me, how would praying stop that stray bullet, <laughs> Mike, Matt Bevan? How, how's that going to happen? Uh, so the plan drew mixed re- reviews from those in the communities and most affected by violence. He's like, and someone says, I'm a pastor. I believe in prayer. I pray every day. I pray all the time, says Joe Phelps of the Island Baptist Church. That's not the answer here. For him to reduce the problems of violence to getting people to go pray for a block is an embarrassment to Christianity. This <laughs> is <just> amazing. <laughs> you can't get Christians to, to fucking agree on anything. <laughs> he says, I feel embarrassed for the Christian faith that the governor of Kentucky is saying these things as a solution to violence in our community. It just comes down to the point where Matt Bevan is just completely, absolutely out of touch with his electorate and with the world at large because prayer may work because, you know, good things may have happened after he prayed, but that has not nothing to do with, a, you know, if those things were going to happen to begin with. It's nothing to do with intercessory prayer. So that, that just Matt is just so completely out of touch on this thing. Yeah. So when you get other Christians calling him out, no, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Reverend Clay Calloway of the West Louisville Ministers Coalition was so disgusted by the governor's comments that he walked out of the meeting, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, you have a reverend and the pastor. He didn't want to be part of the roving band of. <laughs> He's just like middle fingers up in the air. Nope. Nope. I'm out of here. Christ does not approve. I'm out of here. (laughs) He said that the only thing I wish was present was a barf bag in front of my seat so I could throw up. (laughs) Oh, man. He said, otherwise, I might have stayed a little bit longer. (laughs) That's fucking hilarious. So uh, let's see. Well, who else is going to be shitting on this? He said, um, Oliver Evans of Spradling Memorial AME Zion Church. Fuck, that's a long title for your church. Um, He had mixed feelings overall, supported the prayer plan. As a matter of fact, I will share this with my congregation when we meet on Sunday. Okay, that's wonderful. Uh, Mishorn Daniels, me, Shorn Daniels of God's God's Lives Matter. That's actually a movement. Fuck me. What is wrong with this world? God's lives matter. Okay. Okay. Maybe they're just trying to say that we're all children of God and then we all matter. I don't know what they're trying. I'm not going to try to make sense of that at all because it's absolute fucking hogwash. So yeah, says it's like a seed, like with anything. If you don't do anything, you don't get nothing. Literally use the, the double negative there. So. If you don't do anything, okay, that's, if you do not do anything, you don't get nothing. You do not get nothing. Fuck is wrong with these people. Uh, But if you apply something and the prayer is a seed, you look to see what happens from that. So that's why I support the idea. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But I'm not volunteering. (laughs) I, I just, I want to ask these people. It, it, let's just say that Bevan does get this project off the ground and starts running with it and has these intercessory prayer meetings and groups that are roving the streets of Louisville. You know, it has nothing to do with the fact that it might be deputized or they have their own guns or baseball bats or whatever the fuck else they might use to stop crime in his tracks. So let's just not go there. Let's just say if they walked around and did prayers everywhere. If the crime rate goes up, I want all of these people to say, I'm no longer Christian anymore because it didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd wonder how many would get mugged. <laughs> well, if you, that's why you have to have groups of three because, you know, what, uh, you know, nobody in a group of three has ever been mugged. <laughs> I don't know what. So Rashad Abdur Rahman, head of the city's Office of Safe, Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods, told a local radio station that Bevan had, quote, oversimplified the issue (laughs) it's unfortunate that he doesn't know what's been going on in the city it's unfortunate that he hasn't cultivated the relationships locally in such a way that he doesn't know the people already doing this work he said he's not really in touch so there you go (laughs) you have the people the person that actually has the 
the finger on the pulse in Louisville, and he has absolutely probably nothing to do with Christianity whatsoever. And I'm not stereotyping the guy, but with a last name like Abdurrahman, I would not assume him to be Christian because, let's just say, Louisville Christianity doesn't seem like the kind of people that would be like, I don't like your type around here. <laughs> that just seems that way to me. So yeah, Matt Bevan, go to hell. <laughs> but doesn't it matter the, the American the, uh, voter whether or not the person is going to be president of the United States and vice president of the United States uh, believe that global warming is man-made? Well, look, there's there's no question that that uh, that the activities that take place in this country and in countries around the world have some impact on the environment and some impact on climate. Uh, this one comes to us from the independent.co.uk. And I know everybody's going to be like, oh, they're a rag. They're a terrible paper. It's not the Daily Mail. At least give me that. So Mike Pence, you know, current vice president of these here United States, has called the issue of climate change a paramount issue to the left. As if, you know, worrying, being worried about the planet you live on is something that should span more than just one party, I would think here. Uh, and he sought to defend Donald Trump's decision to withdraw the U.S. from the Paris Agreement on climate change. And this came shortly after, I mean, a day after uh, Mr. Trump announced that he was going to be pulling out of the global accord signed by every country except Syria and Nicaragua. And the only reason we don't bring up Nicaragua is that they said, yeah, you guys aren't doing this fast enough. We need, we're going to be doing our own thing. So the only country besides, uh, you know, them is Syria. And now America, who have decided that, you know, we're not going to be part of the thing. Syria at least has an out with their civil war going on right now. But we have no good reason for this. So uh, this move has been met with harsh criticism from the leaders of France, Germany, Italy, and former President Barack Obama, who used an executive order to push through the U.S. involvement because he had to push back all the fucking skeptics in Congress because we had a, and we still do, have a gigantic Senate and house that are very much anti-science and i've never understood why being if you're being a skeptic on climate change i can understand that but what's the harm of moving toward the renewable resources instead of it being you know let's just keep using oil and natural gas i've i've never understood their argument of why not go to those things oh well it's hurtful for business like hmm. no if you get more solar companies out there more solar installers you're gonna have a lot more jobs out there so anyway print that's that's where the the future is is and that's where the jobs are is the the renewable energy it's google's got a great website right now where you can find out how much you could be generating from your house if you had a if you had a solar setup on top of it they tell you the best place to put it the like the leeward side of your house or the wherever whatever gets I, the most sun and everything it's pretty neat i have solar panels on my house we've had them for a couple of years and we get a credit uh most months even during the winter it reduces our power bill to almost nothing so and, i'm all for it and, but the only problem yeah. is that i don't want to live in this house for that much longer and i don't want to go through all the drama <laughs> so <laughs> next house though for sure uh, so, Mr. Pence has echoed the president's comments in the administration's America First doctrine, which is, if you look at your history books, a, <laughs> uh, you know what, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to distill this one down for you. Just go look up America First doctrine, you know, in the 1930s and stuff, and just see how anti-Semitic it can be. <laughs> so, saying he was steadfast in his belief that withdrawing from the climate deal would be good for the U.S. economy and job creation, never minding the fact that it's going to take until the next president comes in for us to finally pull out of this whole thing. So let's uh, let's hope that when he gets impeached and he takes everybody out with him, that we can actually get somebody in this and be like, hey, Paris climate change? Yeah, we're, we're not against that anymore. Let, let's hope that Trump is the guy that turns the GOP around to actually being a somewhat normal party. I, I don't see it happening because, you know, you have McConnell and Ryan that just keep blocking shit left and right. But anyway, so Pence says that it's so refreshing to have a president who stands without apology for America first. You have a president that lost by three million votes, one of the largest margins of loss ever when it comes to this close of a race. 
that won the electoral college still claiming that he has some sort of you know um political capital to cash in on and he he doesn't so as much as he may love bringing up that voter the voter county map and everything he doesn't realize that if you don't adjust for population distribution it doesn't mean a fucking thing so Pence said on Fox News's Fox and Friends program, saying he didn't understand why climate change had become such a big issue for the Democrats and the left. That's because it's not just for the Democrats and the left, Mike. It's for everybody. Maybe it's the fact that we care. (laughs) We care a whole lot about the world that we live in. I, I don't know. So Pence called the Paris deal a transfer of wealth from the most powerful economy in the world to other countries around the planet. No. (laughs) It's not like they're taking two or three trillion dollars out of our fucking budget and, like, you know, giving it to Yugoslavia or whatever they may be nowadays. It's not going to Greece. It's not going to Zimbabwe. It's not going spread around like you think it is, where you you think, for some reason, cutting... this kind of thing is going to make somehow save money. I, I, I can't understand these people. I, I will never ever be able to understand the thought process of these folks out there. So his remarks came as China and Europe pledged to unite to save what German chancellor Angela Merkel said is our mother earth. Yeah, no kidding there. So at a long planned meeting between the premier Li Keqiang and uh, European officials in Brussels, all the leaders pledged full implementation of the Paris deal while America just sat over here playing with our turds in the corner. So um, they committed to reduce their use of fossil fuels, develop more green technology and to raise funds to help poorer countries reduce emissions because they give a shit about the planet and they're going to make technology that is going to make us look like the smokers in a uh, water world. We're going to be the ones that are going to be raiding people for shit here in the near future. It's going to be, it's going to be fun as long as you're like Dennis Hopper. Everybody else you don't want to be. But um, well, I'm going really nerdy on that one. I don't think anybody yeah. watched Waterworld. <laughs> I've, I've seen it. <laughs> he says, today we are stepping up our cooperation on climate change with China. We are convinced that yesterday's decision by the United States to leave the Paris Agreement is a big mistake, uh, said the European Council President Donald Tusk. said, we have Donald Trump in America. We have Donald Tusk in the European Council. <laughs> It's amazing. So, uh, European Commissioner Jean Claude Juncker said that there is no reverse gear to energy transition. There is no backsliding on the Paris Agreement. And so, Pence said this in rebuttal to this: "Like we've demonstrated real leadership and real progress on emissions reductions and environment." And I don't see that there because we're dragging our feet about as much as we possibly can in this regard. Um, Let's see. What did what did Kellyanne Conway have to say about this? It's about fairness to American workers and businesses. And she was asked, I watched this video on this one. She was asked no less than three times, uh, does does President Trump believe that climate change climate change is a hoax? And she kept referring to the president believes in a clean environment. And she said this on three like three times. He had made a courage courageous decision on behalf of the American people. He believes in a clean environment. Look, you can believe in whatever the fuck you want, but what you're backing it up with says something completely different to the, to the whole thing. I I just find it unconscionable that this current president has backed us out of this deal. And I'll bring it up on the Trump roundup here in a little bit. God damn it. This pisses me off. And it's getting even worse is that like, he's, He's passing this on to like other places too. Like you know how he did the the graduation ceremony at the, um, what the hell was it? The nat not the National Guard. What the fuck is it? The the Coast Guard slashing their budget. <laughs> it's just, it, it's amazing that he the U Rex Tillerson, the guy that ran Exxon, or yeah, I think it was Exxon, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Has yeah. then we've come to find out this week that they've been cooking the books for who knows how long to show that oh yeah we're not that bad, like no you really are that bad you guys have been lying this whole goddamn time yeah he was Exxon Mobil CEO, and so Tillerson's coming out and saying like we have a terrific record of reducing greenhouse gas emissions and he says that it's something I think we can be proud of that was done in, in absence of the Paris Agreement I don't think we're going to change our effort to reduce emissions in the future either so hopefully. People can keep it in perspective. Like, no, <laughs> joining a a 
a coalition of everybody getting together to reduce greenhouse gas emissions or, you know, to change things around is going to be more incentive for you to do so. Dropping out of it's just saying, fuck you, fuck you, everybody yeah. else. You can just suck a big dick. I don't care. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's amazing to me. Yeah. Every country in the world except two is like, you know, I think we're, I think we're good here. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You don't need to be part of it. <laughs> you know, we're just, even like India, where you can't even go into the Ganges River without getting a turd floating by you, is trying to do better than America going, yeah, we don't want to be take part in this. We don't want to be part of you guys' the gross shit that's going on over here. We're going to just be America. America first, bitches. It's almost like he's going to throw up like a gang sign afterwards or something. I don't know. But. And even uh, Scott Pruitt is jumping in on that shit, too. He's like, I would say that there are climate exaggerators, he said. So let's go ahead and blame the scientists, why don't we? Instead, let's blame the people that are trying to say, look, if we don't stop this stuff, it's going to get really, really bad. And they're like, oh, you're just being melodramatic. It's like, if they're right, it's terrible. If they're wrong, you've at least made the world a better place to live in. I don't understand that. And... Seems to be a central thing this whole fucking episode where I don't understand how people can be this way. I don't get it. That's the thing is if they ignore it and sea levels rise, you think that the Syrian refugee problem's a big deal right now. <laughs> Once a lot of those third world countries and stuff get flooded out, you're going to have a lot more refugees <laughs> around the world to deal with. I think if Trump realized that, I mean, it's not going to happen in the time that he's going to be alive. He's going to be well dead by the time it happens, but his beautiful Mar-a-Lago resort is going to be yeah. deeply underwater at that point because it's it's literally on the east coast of fucking Florida. Like, it, it's on an island, its own little, like, estuary or whatever the fuck you want to call it. I, I don't know the terminology for it, but it's going to be one of the first places that it's going to flood. And them having a giant sinkhole in front of it is just proof enough of that for me. You can't say definitively today that guns shouldn't be in schools? Well, I, I will refer back to uh, Senator Enzi and the school that he was talking about in Wapiti, Wyoming. I think probably there, I, I would imagine that there's probably a gun in the school to protect from potential grizzlies. Betsy DeVos, you know, the current Secretary of Education has said that she believes that the climate changes. And so one day after President Trump announced his intent to withdraw the U.S. from the Paris Agreement, and we, we've talked about this this whole episode. For If you guys are listening on YouTube, go back and listen to a couple other clips that happened before this one. Uh, international Accord drafted in 2015 aimed at stopping global warming. A top cabinet official may have revealed that she actually believes in climate change. So... Uh, Betsy DeVos was visiting a science fair at Eagle Academy Public Charter School in Washington, D.C. on Friday. That's a long fucking title. E-A-P-C-S. Gross. Mm -hmm. uh, on Friday, when a reporter asked her to clarify her personal views on climate change. And according to BuzzFeed News, uh, DeVos responded, Oh, I think that certainly the climate changes, yes. And the journalists and Twitter users parsed her word choice and then declined later she declined to answer about whether she thought that climate change was caused by people. And I'm pretty sure she's going to be one of those Christians is like, yeah, the climate changes when God says that's going to change. I don't, <laughs> but she didn't propose any solutions to the global warming issue. Instead, framing the Paris accord as a federal intervention that needed to be reined in a federal intervention, you know, as a country, we need to do better at this thing. It's the federal government just overstepping its bounds. It should be states' rights! States' rights, bitches! <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing. And she called the announcement from Trump one more example of his commitment to rolling back the unrealistic and overreaching regulatory actions by the previous administration. Is that what the Republicans are all about? It's just like everybody, like the states are allowed <laughs> to make their own fucking choices about everything? It's like why do we have a federal government? They'd be like, yeah, exactly. We don't need a federal government. Like, no, we definitely need a federal government for more than just military people. <laughs> yeah. There should be laws that work for everybody across the whole fucking the nation instead of just in like Texas. Who wants to be able to say, oh, I, 
I can't leave Oklahoma and go to Texas because I don't want to die because they don't allow gingers there. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, uh, let's see. What else did she say? Uh, she's been cagey about the beliefs on climate change, which according to NASA is evident in extreme weather events, rising sea levels, uh, it being almost like a hundred degrees right now. And it's only June in Utah. Uh, and that she and her relatives previously donated to Republican candidates who considered climate change skeptics. So, I think that tells you pretty much all you need to know there is that she she's one of those people that's like, yeah, the climate changes because God wills it to be. And it's, it has nothing to do with Americans. It has nothing to do with humans. You know, we volcanoes no control over it. Volcanoes contribute more to the environmental change than anything else that's happening in the world. So, yay. Go you, Betsy. And I, I would probably keep going with the story here, but I honestly couldn't give two fucks less about what that lady thinks because she is uneducated. She just got where she is because she spent enough money to do so. Where in the world is Kelly and Conway? What used to be on TV on like every single panel. The one day she we all woke up and she was no longer there. What could have happened? She is not on any channel. Tell me where in the world is Kelly and Gunway. This one comes to us from Raw Story and appearing on ABC's Good Morning America, White House advisor Kellyanne Conway trashed former FBI director James Comey ahead of his Senate testimony, which is coming up. This week on Thursday, people, that I am looking forward to this wrestling. Like, this is MMA and wrestling, like, all rolled into one for me this, this week. It's going to be amazing to hear what, what Comey's saying about the Trump administration. So, when asked by George Stephan, whatever his name is, if the president would invoke executive privilege to stop Comey from speaking, Conway ranted that they would be, quote, watching him. Before impugning the former director's credibility. And so after attacking Comey for getting the number of emails on Huma Abedin's laptop wrong during previous testimony, they're like, they're shitting about, you know, how many emails it was. Maybe he didn't get the exact number right. What the fuck do you expect the director of the FBI to, to do when he's given bad information? He just works on whatever he's given. Anyway, uh, let's see. Conway went after Comey on a personal level. Invoking the name of the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, Conway said that the assistant AG concluded that it really hurt the morale and the integrity of the department. So the FBI was morally and in- integrally hurt at the departmental level because of Comey in the way that he conducted his investigation into the Clinton emails. I'm surprised they didn't go with the non sequitur of him meeting the uh, the current. Um, was it the attorney general that he met on the plane or was it the, uh, that Clinton, like uh, Bill Clinton met on the plane? I can't remember which person that was, but it's just another one of those fun things that the right likes to bring up in their conspiracy theories, along with like the whole Seth Rich thing that they just have the huge boner about. So, yeah. Uh, Conway replied that Comey had previously said that it was the right of a president to fire an FBI director at his discretion. Yes, and as we've said on previous news articles and stuff we read on the show before, it has a lot to do with optics. (laughs) If you were to fire James Comey when you got brought in as president the day of or a couple of days afterward, nobody would have batted a fucking eye about the whole thing. Nobody would have cared. But you were three months in before you fired the guy. And then you fire off at the mouth afterward and you're like, Oh, yeah, maybe that'll stop the investigation. I'm tired of that. Fuck this guy. It's just, I can't understand. I don't understand the GOP. It doesn't make sense to me. It's just timing. It's, and and then saying, oh, fired it because of the Clinton emails. It's like you were praising him over that earlier. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys had a raging heart on for him last time when he was doing that. It's like, oh, they found this information. Oh, yeah, tell me. What did you find? <laughs> It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> oh, and I just, I thought we were done with Kellyanne Conway, but apparently we're not. And so we have to suffer her for as long as her leather face appears on the news. And I'm not. Yeah, they have to dust I'm, her off every now and then. I'm not shitting on her for her looks or anything like that. I'm sure she was a really pretty lady at one time. And I, I would make the same comments about guys on the show. If you go and listen to the Godless Revolution when we were doing the 
uh when we were talking about the the gop debates i was the guy commenting on people's outfits so go fuck yourself if you think i'm sexist <laughs> anyway kellyanne conway just i don't understand how she's not been shuffled away and you're like please kellyanne go away just go away let's get somebody new in here somebody pretty no i'm just kidding there they are they are trying to get some people from fox news to come on to be the the spokespeople for the trump administration and that just grosses me out even worse Ugh. i was elected to represent the citizens of pittsburgh not paris this is the trump roundup for week 19 and if it weren't bad enough the type of damage that this ignorant asshole keeps doing to america's image and to the rest of the world is approaching a breakneck speed that turns all light into bad patterns. Yes, folks, 45 is making us go ludicrous speed into a brick wall that we will have the hardest time ever recovering from. To start out this week, Trump thought it would be a smart thing to defend his son-in-law, Jared, after the revelation that he attempted to set up a secret line of communication. And the worst part about this just like every bad decision this administration has made, it has been normalized by Fox, Breitbart, and pretty much anything Sinclair Broadcasting. Uh, there were people that were actually defending that having the secret line of communication being open to Russia would be a good thing in the context of Syria. Except the fact that they are, this would be one representative from our government, you know, Jared, going into an actual Russian facility and using the communications devices therein. That's like Austin Powers going into Dr. Evil's lair and asking if he can use his computer to check his email. And shortly after this snafu, and this is about the best example of a situation normal all fucked up, he congratulated Greg Gianforte for, you know, who we talked about at length last week, calling his win a, quote, great win, which is hilarious because the guy barely won. But I don't know what else to expect from a president that cheers harm being inflicted upon the press and other humans. Just look at how he fawns over fucking Duterte and uh, Erdogan. Uh, speaking of the press, he's super fucking mad and attacked them again this week in their usage of the anonymous sources that they have, but felt it was just fine, you know, that anonymous source thing, when he shared a Fox News article that did the exact same thing. Now, let's not even mention that he um, at the Trump de Department of Justice has put out warrants on people in the press to try to find out their unnamed sources. You heard me right. The Department of Justice has put out wiretap warrants on our press. You know, that whole First Amendment and Fourth Estate thing that, you know, everybody in this fucking country should be chilled to the bone of this behavior, as this is something that is definitely not a normal presidential thing to be done. He brought up Germany again this week, in which he lambasted the U.S. trade deficit with that country and how it's very bad, which he didn't give any reasons why. And he said that's going to change. Again, not saying why or how. But this is just the first of the many things that Trump seems to think that he can negotiate for better terms, just like how he did with us pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord this week, even though that puts us in the same category as Syria. And no, I'm not counting Nicaragua because they don't count because they wanted to have a more advanced agreement. Uh, you simply can't pull out of a plan that all of the world has entered into thinking you can get a, quote, better deal. That's not how any of this shit works, Trump. Let's see. How about the fact that he got us? He got Kathy Griffin fired. He got mad at Kathy Griffin, really. In which, in its own regard, should have me doing a whole fucking segment on it, but how he apparently had to explain to his son, Baron, who said that he was scared. Don't get me wrong, having a kid see a video or a picture of some crazy lady holding a bloody severed head of your dad would be kind of fucked up. So, for most things, you kind of leave the kids out of these things. So I'm not saying that the kid didn't get scared, but think for a second of all the other shit that Trump has already had to explain to his son. Or at least I hope he has. The Access Hollywood tape. Or how about your dad being over 70 and on his third wife and why his nearest sibling is like very much an adult. I mean, there's a whole lot about the Trump mythos that deserves some explaining. Like his dad apparently making a toilet tweet at midnight where the term kofefe 
is going to be forever etched into the memory of all the teens of the planet. A misspelling wouldn't be the worst part, but the fact that he had to have Sean Spicer come out and tell the press corps that what he said was not a gaffe, but an actual message that has meaning to him and to others on the staff. He also had the press secretary that he, he, uh, he would no longer take questions about Russia. And then Trump went on to defend a guy involved in the Russiagate scandal, uh, you know, by the name of Carter Page, who, if you don't know yet, I'm going to explain this to you. The president has said multiple times that he doesn't even know who Carter Page is, even though he ran Trump's fucking campaign for at least half of it. You know, the important part of the campaign when the, the whole game is just getting off the ground to begin with. And speaking how I am talking about a shitty campaign, he's once again dropped another, another campaign promise to his voters. It's a pedantic one at best, yes, I know. And I'm... I don't really care too much about it, but I have to bring it up because apparently it was very important to his voters. But he's reneged on his whole U.S. embassy in Israel being moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. I know, I know, big fucking deal. But I bring it up because he needs to be constantly pointed out as a liar. And somebody who ran on a populist message that he's not following through with. And that's just one week, people. And he's been at this for almost six months. I honestly shudder to think what's coming up in the next three years if he survives his entire first term. God damn. So that does it for this week's Current Events episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the second episode coming out this Wednesday, and that's going to be the Features episode. However, before I wrap this whole thing up, I have to give the biggest thanks to the amazing patrons who support us each month, and in no short order, we have Angelica Pearson, Marissa Alexa McCool, the Godless Revolution Podcast, Luis Cruz, Jeff Linville, Mike Bowman, and Darcy Bowman. We have switched from a per-episode basis on Patreon to monthly, so if you wish to support the work that we do each month, it's never been more affordable. It's about 75% off, so make sure you go to patreon.com slash Outcast if you want to share with us there. We do want to say that money isn't the only way to get our attention. If you don't have any funds to share, a quick review or subscribe on whatever you catch us on helps out a whole lot, and we'll make sure to give you your due praise. We didn't get any new reviews this week, and we got a couple of subscriptions on YouTube. However, they're not sharing who they are, so we can't really call them out here. So with that, that's going to wrap it up for us here. We'll be back again in 48 hours with another episode for you to love. But until then, remember, you're welcome.
Cooking in moderation today. Yeah, I really, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> I, I finished oh, off the but, bottle and I'm like, I'm glad that's it. So I don't have to be tempted by it anymore. <laughs> but it's a clear liquor, so I can get away with it. All around the world, poverty is stealing choices from kids. It's time to give those choices back. Introducing Chosen, World Vision's new invitation to sponsorship. For the first time, kids have the power to choose their own sponsors. Now the choice is theirs. The choice to take hold of their future, and even the choice to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Learn more at worldvision.org chosen. This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council.